Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. I'm going to tell you, like I told the first service, to be able to do something like this is such an incredible honor that I pray the fire of heaven over my, my own spirit and, and the church's spirit, that we never, we, it never becomes old. It never just becomes something. You come to church and you hear someone speak. Let me tell you something right now. Don't, it's, get ready to hear God and what he wants for you. I think for some of us, Sunday mornings need to be a little bit more transformed. Sunday mornings need to, need to feel a little bit more transformative. Okay. So bless God for today. Um, you know, I just want to just give honor to my husband, Seth, and my four children. He's got our littlest right now. She, y'all, she turned into a real church kid. She's, she's laying down, falling asleep. That's how I grew up. <laughs> Because listen, sometimes sometimes your faith is built when you do some things for Jesus that you don't want to do, but he says to do. Amen. <laughs> so bless my husband and my four children. We have four girls. God bless my husband. If you ever remember us, pray for my husband. I say that a little jokingly, but also just, hey, pray for my husband. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little funny story about my husband being in a home with five women. And it's a good one. My daddy even called me after the first service, and he goes, oh, that was a good story. I said, I know, daddy. He was funny. No. Okay. So all five women from the oldest, which is me, to the youngest, to our little two-and-a-half-year-old, we were having a day. And in the Fairover household, when you're having a day, it's loud. And it's chaotic, and it's messy, and every, every girl in the house was losing it over something. I don't know. I don't really remember what. But what I do remember is that our second born and myself, we were, we were going at it. Uh, that was not my shining moment as a parent. I did not Danny Silk that moment and give myself a parenting time out so that we could have healthy emotions and big emotions. No, I didn't do none of that. I was just as tired and hangry as my children were. And so she was sitting on the stairs and she said, I don't want to go upstairs. And I said, well, if you don't want to go upstairs, you got to sit downstairs with me and we can talk about your feelings and we can get, you know, all this. Sort of I don't want to stay downstairs. And we're just going back and forth. And my husband is at our bookshelf right here, and everybody's everywhere just messing around. Just We're just yelling. for I don't know why we're yelling. Everybody's crying. I'm crying. I don't know what's going on. And he's staring at the bookshelf, and he said, I need every woman in this house to have a timeout from talking. And the children, God bless the children. Man, I felt like we won as parents because all our children were just like, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's a moment. And my husband and I were on a team, right? And I said, I know, honey. I don't, what am I supposed to do? He didn't bat an eye. He went, I said, every woman <laughs> in the house needs to have a timeout from talking. And I have never been simultaneously so attracted and embarrassed <laughs> with my husband. <laughs> so when I say pray for my husband, pray for my husband. He's the best provider. He is wisdom incarnate. He is gentleness. He is sensitivity. But let me tell you something. That man 
is a man who won't be moved. And a part of the reason I'm standing here today is because I have a husband who honors God, the word of God. And without his support, nah, it wouldn't be that good. (laughs) I also want to um, just thank you, Pastor Lyle and Pastor Allison, and give honor where honor is due. Thank you. Thank you for such an honorable opportunity. Thank you for leading this house. How many of y'all know growing and maturing in front of the church? That ain't for the faint. (laughs) That's not for the weak. And so how many times have they modeled, hey, we missed a step. Let's go. They're ready to cheer. They're the cheerleaders that we we need. We're going to go, go, go. And how many times that we've missed a step and they've said, that one hurt. Our bad. We're sorry. Let's try again. It's been a minute. So thank y'all for always saying we're only building what God builds. We're only saying what God says. Um, you know, I'll, I'll probably get into this at some point today, but also, you know, my family, my sisters, my brother, my parents. If you know me at all, it's it, you probably know the names of my sisters because I talk about everybody so much. <laughs> Grace, no, it, you know, the day Grace actually meets my sisters, she's going to hug them down like she's known them for 10 years as much as I've talked about them. But also our tight circle of friends. Because let me tell you something. When you find that circle of friends that's there when the piñata's up and it's time to celebrate and they're ready to put on the mariachi music and dance with you, hey, that's the kind of circle you need, right? But also when the music gets turned off. And it's hard. And it's embarrassing. Shameful. And you just feel stuck. And they're there just as much. Wouldn't be up here either without those kind of friends. So thank you. Ooh, Bethany, I didn't know making eye contact with you would make me cry. <laughs> yeah, we do. We love Bethany. <laughs> um, well, before I say anything else, uh, I just want to give this to God. I want us to pray because you know how 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 many know that God doesn't want to be revered. Um, God wants to be revered. He doesn't want to be managed. So today, just stand with me and let's pray over this word before we receive it. Father God, all for you, all the glory, all the power. Just you, Jesus, is what we're here for today. Just you. May every word that is spoken be only from you. Father, may the ears that are ready to hear, may the hearts that are ready to receive, and even those that might not know, but that have showed up today, receive what you have for them in all of your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you sit sit down? Well, today's message, we're going to continue our sermon series on just Jesus. And today's message comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we're going to break down that scripture a little bit as best we can today. The way, the truth, and the life. Now, I think it would be, this might lay a a lot flat if we don't pay attention to that second part of that scripture. 
No one gets to the Father but through Jesus. And so because because we could talk all day about the way, the truth, and the life, but for what? All of this unto what? All of it is intimately involves ourselves in our relationship with Jesus Christ, but unto what? Unto the church discipling others and bringing them into the kingdom of God, okay? And I can't go much further without telling y'all a little, a little story about my parents. My parents, they're cute. Double dipping on the online service. They couldn't make it, but they're in Texas with my siblings. God bless my parents. You know why? Because my parents are not the same people they were. And I don't mean that in a trite way. I mean, there came a time, my dad was raised, both my parents were raised in the Catholic church, okay? But the religion for them was more of a way of family, as in, if you break away from this, you don't, we, you don't get us, okay? So they were saved somewhere in their early 30s. Um, my dad's, one of his older sisters got saved, and so he started catching wind of, of um, Jesus and all these old school, you know, tent revivalists and all this, you know, Billy Graham, all these people. And my daddy was like, something started stirring. Something started going in my daddy. And he was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I talked to my daddy and I said, can you tell me, tell me that story again? Because I want to, I want to get things mostly right. <laughs> now I want to get things right. And so my daddy told me, he said, Mija, here's the thing. He said, I didn't know. We didn't know who he was. We didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But there came a time um, I was born. I think my brother was on his way. I have a baby brother to be born. And my daddy said, there was just this thing stirring up inside me. And I knew I had to follow. It was this different way of doing things. And I knew I had to, I had to see what it was all about. My mother often remembers this part of their testimony as her struggle. She said, it was a struggle for me. I argued. I didn't want to let go of the way that we had because I didn't know what your daddy was talking about. And I didn't know. They didn't know the truth yet. But my daddy talks about the time the Holy Spirit moved on him to fast for seven days, and he didn't know. He'd never fasted before. He grew up an altar boy. He didn't know what it was. But he knew somebody was telling him, don't eat or drink, only water. And he went day to day, okay? Here's the deal. Nobody, nobody noticed that my daddy was fasting. My mama didn't notice. To this day, she goes, I don't remember your father not eating. I served him dinner every night. And my dad goes, when we were done, I'd throw it away. And she didn't know. Okay? He said that was the Holy Spirit. And that's when things begin to change. They were introduced to the truth. Here's what my parents did. This became a way of life for them. It didn't happen in a moment. Now, their story is trickled with miracles. They've got miracles spotted in and out their story. They'll be married 48, 49 years. I should have fact-checked that between both services, but it's one of the two. <laughs> All right? In their story, there are peppered miracles, but all along is work. It was hard. There was joy. It was fun, but sometimes it got hard. Because listen, my siblings are my first best friends, and we get closer the older we get, but it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. My parents didn't, weren't always this way that they are today. 
but they took something from the truth. And you know, my daddy's words were, and then we did something with it. Because your mother and I figured out that we could sit and read and pray, but if we weren't doing anything, we still felt stuck in the old ways. So I come from a lineage that takes on the risk to change the script despite what has been handed to us. In their hardest times, I have memories of my father taping up scriptures on the wall, walking into their house and seeing scriptures written, handwritten, as hard as things get. And y'all, no, that wasn't, that wasn't when I was 12. That was just a couple years ago when my mom had cancer and it got removed and she had emergency brain surgery two months later. So, and they're in their 60s, okay? So the point of this is, is sometimes this might feel like it takes too long. I get it. I do. But if our perspective can shift a little bit, and if we can see through God's lens of that this was not meant to be shortened, because ultimately, God wants you. God wants you. And when somebody really wants you, they don't want to shortcut the relationship. They don't want to play. They can't get enough quality time with you. You know, my husband and I always say, Ooh, we'll be married 14 years this year. We're nothing but babies. But listen, my husband and I will always say, you know, sometimes, yeah, we're, we're kind of tired, but I don't ever not want to be around you. I might want you to be quiet, but <laughs> just kidding. I don't ever not want to be around you. That's him for all eternity, for all time. Now, listen, I can hear this. I can feel this resonation right now. Some of y'all are saying, that's not my story. What do you say to me whose daddy left me? What do you say to me whose mother I can't trust? Here's what I say to you. Your story is your testimony. And the church, I encourage and challenge the church body to become so fulfilled with the truth unto life that we would be able to hold these people, to hold these babies that are coming in with stories that may not be this living out the inheritance with my parents, but that you would find a spiritual parent or somebody within the church that can guide you and disciple you. Here's the other thing I heard the Lord say during worship. Some of you are starting that story for your children. Some of y'all are my parents right now. You don't have that story. My daughters asked me in my office. They were like, oh, we didn't know Nana and Grandpa were. I said, I know. Nana and Grandpa are the first Christians. That's not that far away. That's not that long ago. Some of you sitting here today are changing the script for your family. You are changing the story for your family. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ wants to hold you through the whole thing. He wants to support you. He wants to walk with you. And he wants you to know that, yes, although there, may, there might not be no suffering, he suffered the greatest so that he could be with you in it. Don't stop changing the script for your family. Don't stop. Don't stop. So I come from a lineage that takes on the risk to change the script, despite the facts that have been handed to us. Because what my parents realized, and they passed down to my siblings and I, was the facts don't set you free, the truth does. Amen. The truth sets you free. So we're going to go to the first part of the scripture, the way. 
y'all studying, this was fun for me. It's like I told the first service, though. Greek words, it's like I, I'm not a ministry school student. I'm, I'm, not that, I'm not that person. And so I nerded out big time on, like, the Greek language because I'm, it's not, I don't know, it was new to me. And I was like, oh, and then there's Hebrew. And then there's like the Eastern way, the content. Honey, did you know? And he was like, you got you to do your sermon. You're like, you can't. We're, we're on like one word. <laughs> but listen, if I mispronounce a word, I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay. So the Greek word for the way is hodos, which means a road, a path, a literal way, a direction, or a journey. Now, here's a fun fact. The way is actually mentioned several times in the book of Acts in the New Testament. It's actually mentioned so many times it's notable, just in the book of Acts. In the entire New Testament, the word Christian is only mentioned three times. And when I talked to my husband about that, he was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because the way is about doing things a certain way, not just being a Christian. I told y'all my husband was smart. He kept, he kept like revelation bombing me throughout this whole thing. And I was like, maybe I should just Moses this thing and like kind of sit on this, ask God if I can sit on the side while you stand right here and just give it all. <laughs> um, but listen, the way, can, the way can cost us a lot. It's expensive. It is. I'm not here to lie to you. I'm not here to lie to you that it's expensive. But I think what God wants to shift is our perspective of what, of what we're exchanging in expense. Okay. Now get this. Some of y'all like bougie, right? Posh. Y'all like to spend a little something. I love to have fun with my friends and people. That's right. Own it. There's nothing wrong with liking bougie. Like the Lord wants his church to be beautiful. We're his bride. There's nothing wrong with it. But I do like to throw shade and make fun with my friends or people on staff like to act bougie. But I do that acting like I don't have a hint of bougie. But here's the deal. I do. Because if you give me, if you give me some Zada or Banana Republic on clearance, we have four kids, on clearance, I'm about that all day. Because you can be bougie on a dime or a million, right? So here's the deal. Sometimes we get to the way and people start talking about the way and all it entails and what it can cost you, your, your internal world and all of that and your ideas and your way. And it's just like, some of us are waiting on the clearance version of Jesus, there's no clearance version of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you why? Because he done paid the whole price for you. He done paid the highest price that you could ask for, for sin, for death, and for everything we do wrong. But what it will cost us is anything within us that is keeping us from a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Father. And that can look like a whole lot of things. On one end of the spectrum, that can look like stop sleeping around. Okay? That can look like stop getting high on a Saturday night, coming to church on a Sunday, acting like you don't know why you feel stuck. Then that can be on a whole other end of the spectrum where it's like, hey, I've been with the Lord for a minute. And I know this download is from him. And I know that this is where we're supposed to be. And I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Why, why, why? And the Lord is saying, actually, I don't want to take the vision from you. I just want to take how you think it might happen from you. 
because I have something a little bit better in store for the way it's going to happen for you and your family. Because see, he sees 50 years down the road. He sees your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And so that matters to him as much as you getting done what you need to get done for him does right now. But we're safe in the way. The way is Jesus. The only way to the Father is Jesus. Yes, there can be other ways to peace, to happiness, to joy. There can be, for sure. Listen, when I exercise, I'm a different, I'm a different mom. My children love me. You hear my husband laugh so loud. You know how real that is in our house? <laughs> if mama has not worked out and I have this anxious adrenaline energy, even some of my best friends know this, and I know Bethany's probably going, yup, this anxious adrenaline energy, I'll walk through, <laughs> I'll walk through Sarah's office door like, hi, and she's like, hi. And I'm like, I haven't worked out today. I'm so sorry. I just got all this energy. I don't want to do with it. <laughs> but listen, there are other ways to get some things. But the point is, is that the way is to the Father. You see, I can have all these things without Jesus. But then what's the point? It's all so momentary. It all goes away so quickly and we still be left feeling stuck. Now listen, sometimes we're here with Jesus and we still feel stuck, but at least we've got a way to the fodder to work things out. So bless God. The perspective isn't that this is all unto just me or just you getting into heaven. We're not, we're, it, it, this isn't about getting a gold star. He's not got charts up, upstairs. This isn't about performance. This is about a man who wants us for all time, for eternity, and wants the world. Jesus, the truth. In Greek, the word is alothea, which means reality. The manifested, unconcealed essence of a matter. Pure, unadulterated reality. The truth is Jesus. Jesus is transformation. When you encounter the truth, the goal of truth is so that you're transformed on your way to life. But here's the deal. The world right now values vulnerability and awareness above truth. Now hang with me. Because vulnerability and awareness are not bad things. In fact, they were Jesus' idea first. They were his. They're not the world's. Don't let the world fool you thinking that all these self-help books and all these things are something new. There ain't nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Vulnerability and awareness were Jesus' first. And he time and time again shows us how he does that in the New Testament. He weeps when his best friend dies. He knows he's about to raise him, but he weeps because it's worth feeling and letting his friends help him through those things. He done turned over the tables out of anger when he caught people defiling the temple of God. They're worthy they're valuable things to have in our lives. Vulnerability and awareness are there to take us to truth 
so that we are transformed, so that we have new life. Here's what the Lord says. Vulnerability without transformation is complaining. Awareness without transformation is arrogance. Now listen, when the Lord spoke that to me, here's the clarity in that. He didn't say vulnerability was complaining and awareness was there. That's not what he said. He said those two without truth and transformation become complaining and arrogance. These were Jesus' idea first because they're supposed to lead you to the truth and to transformation. Vulnerability is more than inviting someone to your house and just letting them see the clean parts. Vulnerability is inviting someone to your house, let them see what's a little dirty, and then they actually help you clean it up while you're still there. That's what that looks like. Because in Scripture, vulnerability and awareness, as we see it um, done for us in the New Testament, there's always change because the truth calls you to change. The truth asks you to change. And then you want to because you're doing something with what you know. You know, here's a funny thing. Awareness, when I was looking up the word in Greek, I couldn't, there wasn't like an exact translation. The closest word, they had a lot, but they said the closest word to awareness in Greek was actually knowledge. So you know a lot of things, right? That's really what it is. You know a bunch of stuff. Can I tell you all something? In the first two to four years of our marriage, it was tough. It was tough. I was actually depressed, for real depressed. I had a counseling degree. I have a counseling degree. I knew a bunch of stuff about grief and depression, but I had no clue what was happening to me in the moment. But I knew a bunch of stuff, but I couldn't tell you I was depressed. It took my family to come visit me more than twice to say, Michelle, something's wrong. I was like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. By the way, if you ever hear me say everything's fine more than once in a row, that means just pray for me. It's not fine. (laughs) Everything was fine in West Texas, Seth and I. Things were just falling apart, but everything was fine. But I knew a bunch of stuff. So I got on the phone with this counselor that was recommended to us, this marriage counselor, and I talked to him for a little bit, and you know what he told me? He said, you know, after a couple of sessions, he said, you're, you're pretty young, but you are one of the most aware clients I've ever had. And I was like, that is right. I went to grad school for a reason. <laughs> no, but the pride welt up, that, that's, that's a little indicator. When the humbleness isn't there, but the pride is, I felt a little good about myself because I was like, that's right. So things should be different, right? He didn't miss a beat and tells me, But I got to tell you, you're really bad at the transformation piece. I don't have to pay you. No, that's not what I did. (laughs) That's not what I did. I stayed on the line. Because he walked me through it. He was a Christian. He he was a godly man. And he said, you know, you got all this stuff. You're saying all the right things, Michelle. You even know definitions of definitions. Like, you're really smart. He just kept going and pelting me, but I started feeling more humbled. And I was like, I don't think I'm amen, amening myself right now. I don't know what you're building me up for. And he said, but don't you want to use all of that to change those things so that your marriage is better? And I'm telling you today, the Lord is saying vulnerability and awareness are pieces of truth that are to lead you to more transformation unto life. 
Now, I'm passionate about this because of a line of work that I get to do. Vulnerability and awareness are expensive. They cost a lot. It takes a ton of courage to do either one. And it takes a ton of boldness. And it takes a ton of looking for the safest people to do that with. I don't want to see, and I believe God doesn't want to see these two things separated from Jesus Christ because then it's being prostituted as something that's just momentaneous. And you got a bunch of people complaining and whining and talking about how, how come things haven't changed? They haven't changed because you took it outside of the truth. And you're doing it all by yourself. So now you got your truth and my truth and everybody else's truth. No, this is the truth. When you take those two things outside of Jesus Christ, trust me, I tried it. I tried it when I was depressed. I didn't know what I was doing. And God met me. And he used those closest to me to help me. But you know what they did? They sat on my floor and they cried with me. They came in my house and they picked me up off my bed. And they helped me with our firstborn. And they said, Michelle, I'm so sorry this is happening. But also, you gotta, you, you gotta do something different. How many times are those two things that Jesus found valuable enough to show us in the New Testament? How many times are they used and we're just, oh, this is all, this is all. And someone tries to come and say, okay, I'm so sorry. I hear that. I hate that that happened. And I'm aware that this is something I need to change. Okay, can I help you? No, you just disrespected my vulnerability and awareness by challenging me. You must not know what vulnerability. No, I'm telling you, if you got that defense in your heart, the Lord's inviting you to just start putting it down. Because the other thing that comes when you, when you disarm yourself from defensiveness is that you're able to see clearer. And you might find the people that Jesus has for you. Hmm. The Lord doesn't want us stuck anymore. He wants his church. He wants his bride. The way, the truth leads to the life. In the Greek, the word is zoe, which means a heavenly form of life. Life from above as opposed to, honey, what's it? Suki. Sorry. I used to be a teacher. I'm just engaging the congregation. <laughs> Suki, which refers to the physical or fleshly life. See, Jesus, Jesus was smart. Y'all, he is smart. I'm telling you, Elon Musk ain't got nothing on Jesus Christ. Listen, <laughs> Jesus does everything intentionally and on purpose. And he actually interchanged through several scriptures in the New Testament, he interchanges Suki and Zoe. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I came that they may have life, Zoe, and life, Zoe, abundantly. Eternal life. So all of this unto what? All of this unto what? You find the way, you pursue it. My parents pursued it at all costs. It cost them their family, cost them jobs cost them homes. They had to go from house to house for a while because certain family members were saying, if you ain't coming back to the Catholic church, then sorry. So all of that on the way, 
unto truth, which is right here, which is right here. Vulnerability and awareness are things that enhance our truth so that we can be transformed. You know, I pray that we're not like the Israelites in Hosea uh, chapter 7, verse 10. Look at what the Lord says about them. Their arrogance testifies against them, yet they don't return to the Lord their God or even try to find him. He says, verse 9, their hair is gray, but they don't realize they're old and weak. Gray hair usually signifies or is indicative of wisdom, right? You've got a little bit of experience. I got, I got a lot of kids. That's, that's mine. Just kidding. But he says, you're gray, but you're old and you're weak. Here's what, here's what he was saying. You got a lot of experience. You've done a lot of the, you, you've, you've seemed as though you can, you've learned language to appear like you're learned. You're aware of a lot of things. You got a lot of knowledge. You got a lot of vulnerability going on. You got a lot of these things. You can mimic things. But your gray hair is fake. You're old and you're weak. I pray that as a church, we do not separate awareness, which in the Greek, the closest thing is knowledge and vulnerability outside of Jesus Christ. I pray as the church, we endure this race and get our gray. We get our stripes, we get our scars, and we spend them well, and that we would not be found just weak from our own spinning of our truth in our head without Jesus. May we be a church that desires to be in the company of the way and the truth that actually wants us for all eternity. Jesus laid down his suki, his fleshly life, so that we may have eternal life, Zoe. Sometimes it's costly. It is. It's costly, but it's worth it. You know, Jesus, as we close, I want to leave you with one thing. Jesus knew it cost a lot. There's a beautiful thing that happens in the New Testament just before Jesus is captured and taken. He goes to the garden and he prays to his daddy. And he cries and he sweats. And he says, is there any other way? That's akin to sometimes when we cry out to God and say, why me? When my mom got her cancer diagnosis and the brain surgery to my parents saying, why? Find comfort in the company of the one who knows suffering more than anybody else. He didn't die and promise no suffering. He died and suffered because he knew that would be part of our process. The way, the truth. Unto fleshly death? No, unto Zoe. And with that perspective, Jesus was able to be fully man and run to his father in prayer, asking if there was any other way akin to our why me. And he was able to be fully God and relent his ideas and his questions to ultimately serve the eternal promise of him for us.
for all eternity. Some of you are changing your family's story, and it's starting with you, and it's starting with your babies. And God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. What y'all are doing for your babies and for your baby's babies is life-changing. It is transforming. You are leaving a legacy that your children get to live now. So if you will, stand with me. And let's thank God for his word today. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That what he desires for us is not performance. It's not heavy. But it's freeing. It's freedom. And it's eternal life. Unto what, church? Are we just done there? No. Unto going out and making disciples. Let's get our church. Let's get God's bride. Let's get God's bride. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is alive. Jesus, just Jesus. Father, I pray that the words that you spoke today would land freely on the hearts, on the minds, and on the ears that just want and need more of you today. God, may we be people that are transformed so that your bride is transformed, so that your bride reaches the church, God, more of the church. God, we bless you in your holy, holy, powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Let's give God one more shout. Give God all the glory. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.